Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Hello, once again, welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Today we're taking a look at the year 2002. But before we get into it, I want to remind you, as always, to subscribe and like and write really glowing reviews for us on all of the the platforms that we are part of, including iTunes, Spotify, Mm. Google Play, Mm -hmm. Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and Player FM. Mm, My favorite. Uh, we are also on both Facebook and Twitter, where we occasionally post stuff. Yeah. But it's just kind of—it's up. To, it's really about you and how easy you want it to be to be notified about what we're doing. Which uh, visit us as always at BowieVersusDylan.com yeah. for additional blog posts and additional content. Uh-huh. And I want to encourage you. Something I don't think we talk about enough on here, but I want to encourage you to head over to Spotify for our customized playlist. Yeah, as do well. that. Every single episode. We put together a playlist of songs, important songs from the year or from whatever the subject matter is, to just carry on the fun. You know, you listen to the podcast, you go over and listen to some songs from Bowie and Dylan in 2002. You got to. And they're always there. So those links are in the, you know, the uh, whole speed nonsense. Otherwise, if you just sit over to Spotify and just search for Bowie versus Dylan, you're going to find the podcast and you're going to find the playlist. Uh, and with that, Jake, 2002, but uh, you had some new segment to add. I don't know what it is. I am just on the edge of my seat, yeah. waiting with excitement. Please regale us with uh, some info about this hot new segment sweeping the, the podcast charts. First of all, don't fall off your chair. Just if you're I'm on... a rocking chair, so I was able to move forward and on the edge, and I could just go right back. Just don't, okay. tip, don't tip over frontwards. You'll never... You'll never get up again. All right. So instead of talking about 2002, I wanted to uh, introduce a new segment. And uh, we here at Bowie vs. Dylan are, have made it very perfectly clear that we are enthusiasts and not experts. However, sure. We're probably wrong about all kinds of stuff. We're probably wrong about all kinds of stuff. But uh, what I want to say is that we're usually wrong about probably very minor things, like dates yeah. of things or chart positions or... You know, uh, the name of the seventh bass player on the 82 World Tour or whatever like that. Right, right. But sometimes, Chaz, and this is something I'm personally embarrassed about, sometimes, especially me, uh, being the classic rock guy, uh, quote-unquote, sometimes I utter complete nonsense about, like, (laughs) who was in what band, you know? That's not not a small slip-up. If anybody's actually tuning in to our podcast to hear actual information and, to, and you know, regale their friends with information <laughs> that we have regaled each other about, they might be wrong. And so I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. But first we need to, okay. name, we need to name the segment, and I'm going to let you do it. I have ten oh, choices no. for you. Ten <laughs> <laughs> choices? Yeah, baby. All right, here they are for the new segment. Number one, subtractions and retractions. Number two. Okay, wait. Wait, say that again. What was the first part? Subtractions and retractions. 
retraction within retraction. Yep. Okay, all We're right. We're taking back some, some false information here. Number two, okay. retractions and subtractions, if you're into, <laughs> if you're into switching them okay. around. Okay. That's, that's the same thing. Okay, go. Right. Three, retraction action. <laughs> you like that's that one? early leader. All right. Four, slip-ups that detracted from the action. Nah, uh, I'm too worried. Okay. All right, so retraction oh. action's still in there. Number five. Retraction action's currently in there. All right, I think you're going to like this one. Number five. Replacements of defacements. That was a stretch. It's working, it's working really hard. Maybe a little too hard. Yeah, it rhymes, though. Okay, number six. This is, uh, I, I assume that I'm making most of the, the major errors on the pod, podcast, so for, for my section, I would call it Bob Ling the Facts. Yeah, that's bad. That's really good. Seven. Here's another one in that vein. <laughs> Deletions. <laughs> just keep rolling. All right, all right. Can I have those the last record? Can I just take retraction action? No, you need to hear all of them. Eight. Enthusiasm gone terribly wrong. Number that's nine. Not bad, but number nine. BVD whoopsies. <laughs> I thought you might like it. And number 10, simply bloopers. <laughs> retraction action wins. All right, retraction action. Woo! Give it a round of applause. All right, uh, what have you got for retraction action? All right, I just need to, I need to tell you my, my name that didn't make the cut. I don't know why. I had it written on the side. It's called Verbal Acts That Blur the Facts. What do you think of that? That one's better than several of them that made the list. Oh, well, I thought of that one last, and I forgot to put it on the list. Retraction action! Hey, man, sorry for the distraction. The Johnny's in the basement mixing up some detraction. We know this segment's not the main attraction. We've got to hit you with retraction action! Anyway, for the first episode of Retraction Action, in episode 10, Chaz, we were talking about collaborators. Collaborators episode. That's right. Uh, The collaborators episode, we talked about Dylan's involvement in the Traveling Wilburys, and one of the Traveling Wilburys' name is Jeff Lynn. And I was like, um, I think he was a member of the Cars, which, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew it was wrong. But then I couldn't remember Uh what he was actually in. So I just okay. let it slide, and then I was personally embarrassed for however long it's been since we recorded that. Well, Jeff Lynn is actually a member. A is actually a member of the Electric Light Orchestra. Oh. ELO, as they're more retraction commonly called. Retraction action. Retraction action. Okay, number two retraction action, and this is my last okay, one. More than one. Oh yeah, last episode, episode fourteen. Uh, we were talking about. Yeah, we were talking about Dylan's involvement at the Budokan Hall in uh, Japan, where he recorded a huge yeah. concert and ended up putting out a live album. And I said, you know, the Budokan was like a big thing in the late seventies. There was that huge album that came out with that song, "I Want You to Want Me." And I said, uh, yeah, I think that was Super Tramp, which it was not at all. It was Cheap Trick. Oh yeah. Retraction action. Retraction action. Boom. So that's it. That was pretty uh, pretty short, pretty sweet. I'm gonna... yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I have any retraction action. My retractions are all, like, I go back through and, and change the amount of points that I want to give stuff later on. Yeah, which we should do. Because uh, like, I... I'm like, oh, I should give him an extra half point. I, I, it's, I don't know if it's ever changed anything more than a half a point, maybe one point. I have one. But I'm like, go back and look at all, I'm like, oh, I should give him an extra. Or that one, like, uh, 
that one really wasn't worth that much. That could have taken an hour and a half, but not. I have and one. In no, in no case would it have changed the results yeah. of the uh, the competition in that year. You know what? And at this point, I can't. I couldn't change the You know, like I couldn't try to like steal a year from Dylan. Like, you know, that, yeah. No, you can't I'm do that. that you can't do that. But. You know, it's weirdly important to us to get the points right. And one thing that I one thing that I've noticed is that it's becoming relative. So last time I did street legal, oh, yeah. and I gave it a one point five, and I immediately realized that I'd given way too many points to infidels because infidels. Yeah. I gave a one point, which seems preposterous compared to even street legal, right. which isn't that great, but it's fine. That's you know, infidels is bad. I was doing. I was doing this exactly with this year because he has an album, Bowie has an album coming out in 2002 called Heathen. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting there like trying to figure out what this one's going to be. And I ended up doing like a rough point count for all 20 of his albums in preparation. <laughs> like, so just yeah. it's all against the other ones. I was right. going like, well, is it this? Well, it's better than, you know, Earthling. So it's got to it's not, is it, it's not as good as the new next day, but it's not as good as, and I'm not like, going through all of these different albums. So I gave it a rough and, and Several of them I could definitely see myself changing. There's several of my ones I don't listen to. Right, you know, that's, the point. that's the point. That's the point. Like, dive into and things, stuff like, you know, we did Tin Machine, the 1989. That was one, it's one I never listened to. And yeah. So I really, like, it was interesting to listen to it again. It was bad, but, you know, it was yep. interesting because I never listened to that. So, right. Yeah. All right. All right, retraction so. Action. Next time on Retraction Action, get some retraction action. <laughs> we retraction more action. Wait, we act, act on the retraction. We we'll rhyme. See. We rhyme. That's all we do. That's all we do. We always be rhyming. All right, you heathen. Go ahead. I'm going to go for it. 2002. Now, to set the stage for 2002, we have to go back yep. to 2000. What? Bowie. That's so long ago. I know. I know. Pull it back. Pull it back, Jake. All right. 2000, Bowie has another unreleased album. <laughs> He's got two of course. major, like two and a half major unreleased albums. And they all came out somewhat in some point. The first one was the like beginnings of Young Americans. It was a finished album, and then John Lennon got involved and exchanged around and became Young Americans. Right. The second one we talked about in depth in the 1994 episode, the album Leon, which no, no uh, record label would pick up. That's and right. completely remade it into Outside. The lots of stuff went with it. This is the next big one, and this one's called Toy. Toy was recorded largely in 2000. He might have finished up in 2001. I didn't write that down. But it actually was an almost entirely covers album of Bowie's own recording Whoa. of the late 60s and early 70s. That's such a bad idea. It was decent. It's, de- it's, oh, it's decent. It's, it's oh. decent. It's oh. decent. Isn't that oh. an amazing album? Okay. You know? It's well worth listening. It's very surprising All right. that uh, this, this puppy didn't get released. But we'll get it later. So there's a whole bunch of songs. Some of them, like, from his first album. Uh, some were B-sides and singles. Some were, you know, came out in weird releases. Some were never officially released, but recorded at the time. But all, like, I think they all, they span between about 60. So there's one. I think he recorded his first single as on there, too. So we went between about 64 and 72. Okay. He also recorded three brand new songs to go with it. Yeah. Uh, he had it all ready to go. And he said, like, publicly, like, you know, things puppy's ready to go he's just waiting and uh but he was getting a little mad with his record label who did not want to release it yet okay because this was kind of a common thing at the time with this whole record release cycle you know we couldn't release records too close to each other because oh, no. anyone wouldn't sell well enough you know that's yeah. the thing at the time period you know you don't worry about it now because it's digital and everybody will get to it you know 
And in contrast, and in contrast okay. to like the '60s and '70s, where you released something every seven oh, months, yeah. or you were dead. Well, and it's it's kind of transition period. In the '60s and '70s, you made your money off of albums. Yeah. And you toured to promote the album. That's right. A lot of times, tours lost money. Sell the album. You get nowadays, and you release albums so that you can tour. Right. You make all your money touring. That's right. All of it. Because music's so ubiquitous and it's so free, and you can stream it all over the place and find it. You know, it doesn't even matter. No. You don't make a big money on albums. A lot of artists don't make. Unless you're like tour, Taylor Swift or somebody. In-person thing that can't be replicated online, and uh, and people pay big money for for concerts. Boom. So this, I mean, in 2002, we're still in a transition. You know, like iTunes wasn't even out in 2002. Yeah. Uh, Napster was. I was on Napster. Oh, yeah. No, you weren't. Oh, yeah. You criminal. Oh, yeah. You criminal, you. Uh, not, not dominating Game Boy yet. It wasn't to that point yet. But, you know, do that stuff. Anyway, it was, they wouldn't release it because he, like, had, wasn't far enough in his cycle or whatever. He'd released an album in 99. They didn't want to release one yet. They were waiting. And so by the time they were willing to release an album, I actually think he got it out of his record label and bought a new one. But by that time, he, and this is famous, this is just classic Bowie, they already recorded another album by the time, like, anyone was ready to release a Bowie album. Sure. And he's like, well, let's release a new one. And he never got, got like, just didn't really ever get around to releasing the other one again. It's interesting. This is interesting. Okay. So, the new one was Heathen, which was released in 2002. Okay. Now, I will say, Toy was leaked in 2011. It's one of those things with these leaks, you're never sure, especially with the track listing, if it's actually correct. Uh, like yeah. if all those songs would have been there, if they would have, and probably they wouldn't have been in the order they were on, I don't know. You know, they might not be final mixes and stuff, but it's online. It's well worth listening to. It's not his best album, but far from his worst. It's interesting to hear him doing, completely reinterpreting his own yeah, okay. songs. All right. So it's kind of fun. So, uh, he then kind of sprung out of this. He then did... Two, you know, he recorded three new songs for Toy. Two of them ended up on Heathen. One in a completely re-recorded version, one in just a remixed version. Several of the Toy songs ended up as B-sides on Heathen. And uh, a couple of them showed up on a Best Of in, in 2014, mm. which is interesting, too. Wow. So ultimately, about half the songs on Toy have been officially released in some format whatsoever. There you go. So, Heathen is... Now, if we're looking at Bowie here... You know, we can really kind of, like, divide his career into two major times. Two. Two. I would divide it into, well, I mean, you know, you could do it divide in all kinds of ways. Yeah. But for this purpose, we're going to divide it into two. And the first period would be 64 with his first single up to 1980 with his last truly brilliant album for many decades. Okay. And then we can move into his dance period in the early 80s and things go badly. And he kind of, like, tries to fight for the rest of his career. Going down here. Anyway, he releases, between 64 and 1980, he releases 14 albums. Wow. And between 81 and 2016, when he dies, he releases 14 albums. Whoa. I know. What do you know about I that? Know. Okay. Tell me about albums, which we are. Uh, and so, 1980 being his last truly brilliant album, I would say, until 2016, with his final album, Black Star. But he's got a number of good albums in those later years. It's not sure. all trash by any Sure. But it doesn't, you know, reach the heights of before that. Stephen is usually considered one of the you know, top two or three of his later career albums. Wow. It's a good one. It's a, good a good one. It's a goodie. It's a good one. It's, uh, it represents his second foray into his uh, second-to-last persona, which some people have called neoclassic rock. <laughs> I know you like that. 
Uh, yeah, neoclassic rock. <laughs> I just say that over and over. Neoclassic rock. It kind of rolls. NCR. <laughs> neoclassic rock. Get it. Yeah. Uh, so, he then is, is uh, uh, notable because it's Bowie's first collaboration with longtime producer Tony Visconti. Okay. A well known part of the Bowie crew. Definitely. His first collaboration with Visconti since. 1980. Oh, I'm sensing a pattern. His best album since 1980. Best know. album since. I was reading, and I, I read a uh, regular. I do a lot of my research throughout the Complete David Bowie by Nicholas Pegg. Wait, so just, yeah, Nicholas yeah. Pegg. Yeah, you already shouted uh, that guy out, I think. Who was? I did do a shout out. It's a great book. I use it all the time. Okay. And uh, he he says he obviously thinks pretty heavily that Tony Visconti. Departure is the reason for Bowie's many years in the wilderness. Uh, so that's, that's one of the biggest reasons. Mm-hmm. They kind of fought in the early '80s, and uh, and then they just yeah they got the idea that they kind of became friends again in the late '90s. This is their first album together, and then uh, Tony Visconti would go on to produce his last four albums. Good old his fourth to last album. Good old go. good old TV back in oh, the mix. Yeah, TV TV right. back in the mix. So Bowie recorded this out in, and you usually would go in like in studios in big cities and stuff. He was living in New York for a long time, you know, the last 20 years of his life or more, sure. 25 years of his life, he lived in New York. Uh, he expected, you know, he mostly recorded you know, near his house and everything. But not this one. Whoa. They went out into nature at a, I didn't write down the name of it, some like secluded studio in the nature, in nature in the Catskill Mountains. In wow. Yeah. What a huge Kind of unique in that sense that Bowie did it out in some place did like he that. Did he do toy out there too or just this one? No, no toy. I don't know where he created toy. I don't write it down because that's, you know, that's for 2000 when it gets 2000 we'll really dive into that one. Yeah, you're not an expert. We already covered that. No, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiast. An enthusiast. Uh, he did this kind of a dark album. It was released, he recorded most of it in 2001 um, but it wasn't finished until after 9-11 and so a lot of people have seen it influence there. They, yeah. Bowie has said that they recorded almost everything, almost done before 9-11, but not a lot has changed. But lyrically, it's kind of a dark album, kind of a brooding. Okay. Um, so it has been noted, his, his mother died in 2001, while he was creating himself. Oh, wow. Uh, an old friend died, uh, Frankie, not Freddie, Freddie Beretti, not Freddie. Oh, gosh, I didn't write it down, I should have. An old friend of his who designed some of his early uh, costumes. Oh, okay. Died in 2001. Uh, it's a great name if that's the real like, name, though. But I don't, I don't want to get across like a super dark album. Because it's, it's, I'm going to say, Jake, that it's tinged with hope. Tinged? <laughs> there is a tinged hue, a hue of but hope. But that makes it sound awful, and it's not awful. It's a good album. Okay. I believe you. It also represents his most critically acclaimed album in many years. All right, so... All other albums, particularly outside, 1995's Outside, has come like later on to be considered a really like strong album. Uh, he then people like to write away. So and is this a happened to Bowie a lot lately? So what is what is this in the best album sense category? Like best album sense? Um, I I would call it best album. Well, it's always since 1980. I would call oh, it okay. his best album since 1980. All right. The only one that comes close, the only one that's a contender before that is uh, is 1995's Outside. Okay. But I think I like this one better. All right. Just a little bit better. They're close. Um, so it's great. Quick plans got lots of good reviews. It also became its highest charting album since 1984. Wow. In the UK. Okay. What did it chart as? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, come on, Chaz. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Chaz. 
I could just make it up and then we could do some retraction action. <laughs> That's what retraction action is for. <laughs> Boy, we really, this is brilliant. We've really covered ourselves in glory with this one. <laughs> now, we can I mean, say like whatever we want. I'd like to slow things down a little bit to talk about one of my favorite topics on today's show. Yeah. And that topic is the Grammys. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the Grammys. Good old Grammys. I, think, I love the Grammys because they're so hilariously irrelevant. Yes, they really are. There is no other major award that has less relevancy than the Grammys. No. And when you think about big awards like the Oscars or the Tonys mm. or the Emmys, mm. like people care about these things. And, you know, in their, you know, sometimes they're folded for stuff and sometimes people say, oh, that's this. But the Grammy is just... Wow. Well, I don't know. Like, do, I, we don't, when it comes to rock, and maybe maybe people, you know, who are more into hip-hop or rap or other genres than we are, maybe they're feeling like they do okay. I don't know. No, I don't think rock, any, nobody thinks they do okay. Cow. So I got some categories here, because uh, Bowie was nominated for a Grammy. Good for him. <laughs> for Best Rock Male Vocal Performance for the lead single off of Heathen, Full Bird, uh. which is a great song, by the way. Okay. And I feel like we could turn Grammys into like a uh, a Your Mama So Fat style <laughs> Oh no, let's not do like, that. The Grammys are so irrelevant. <laughs> I got a couple for you here. Okay, great. Do it. <laughs> the Grammys are so irrelevant that, uh, and this award in particular, that Lenny Kravitz won this award four straight times. <laughs> yep. That's, this, that's amazing. This award and the Grammys are so irrelevant that Eric Clapton, Elvis Costello, Don Henley, Peter Gabriel, and John Mellencamp were all nominated for this award in the 2000s. Wow. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sad. Along with, I mean, for that matter, David Bowie. Sad. Yeah, yeah. You didn't mention him, did you? <laughs> this award and the Grammy is so relevant that David Bowie lost this award in 2002 to Bruce Springsteen. Oh, now Bruce Springsteen was it was back by that point, so... Was That's, he back in 2002? Oh, yeah. After 9-11, he, went, he came roaring back. Oh, okay. So, All right. Well, maybe I'll re- that was That was his, that was his award to lose. Take right. that joke back. Retraction action. Good, good job. Good job. <laughs> okay. So this award in particular, I feel like this is a particularly irrelevant award. It's Best Rock Male Vocal Performance. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, you should, Jake, because... Dylan has been nominated multiple times. <laughs> uh, I have not done a year I yet. I, got, I fell in a hole last night. What's about like an hour later that I should have because I was doing all kinds of research about the Grammys. So, <laughs> how, irrelevant, how irrelevant is it, Chaz? So, boy, <laughs> this award existed from 1980 to 2004. Okay. In 2004, it was combined with Best Rock Female Vocal Performance. Oh, great. Little, little equality. Little equality. So Bowie was nominated for this award six times in 1984, 1985, 1998, 2001, 2002, and 2004. Okay. In 1998, he was nominated for the song Dead Men Walking, and he lost to Bob Dylan. Oh, in what year? In 1998. So we're looking at the song in 97. So time out of mind. I wrote down the song. It's called Iron Bob. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a weird song to pick from that album, but okay. Great. Well, the one from Bowie was a weird song to pick from that album also. Yeah, there's just, they can't, there's just no way they can do that award show. It's not a thing. Uh, Dylan, you'll want to know a little more, because Dylan has a long history with this one also. Yeah. 
Uh, he was, Dylan was nominated four times okay. for this award, and he won it twice. What? And he, <laughs> he did. And he won it in 1980. So this is a good, like, Oh, man, that's right. That, I remember that reading about that. In 1980. You won a Grammy in 1980. That's for, uh, for one of the, for one of the, uh, songs from the Christian trilogy. I know. I remember. I gotta, gotta serve. Somebody gotta serve something. That's actually a really good song. Okay. All right. And Dylan actually. Let's see. And they both Bowie and Dylan were nominated in the same category in '98, 2001, and 2004. Wow. These are great uh, little, great little intersections here. And in 2001, they both lost to Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. And in 2004, Everybody they both did. lost to Dave Matthews. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie! Finally, this is my last little like nugget of granny of granny lore yeah. about Dylan and David Bowie. Okay, this is great. I so like David this. Bowie was nominated approximately a total of nineteen times. I was just looking at the Grammys website and the and Wikipedia article about all these awards, and they disagreed on the number of times that Bowie was nominated for stuff. That's weird. And normally, I would just go with both the Grammys got to be correct. But the Grammys at the very top of the page said that Bowie was born in New York City, which did not happen. <laughs> so he was reborn I'm not in New York sure City. Sure about how well they they fact checked this page. Wow. I'm gonna guess that the Wikipedia article is actually more correct than that one. I would imagine. Anyway, Bowie was nominated for around twenty times for a Grammy. Okay, like give or take, yeah. He won six, only five of them competitive. One of them was a lifetime achievement award, I think. He totally won. He them. won five competitive Grammys. Four of them were for his final album in 2016, oh, having yeah. already died before the Grammy. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's all sympathy. It's all sympathy. Posthumous, baby. And uh, and having already broken up his career into, you know, the really relevant period up to 1980. Amazing golden years from 69 to 1980. Yeah. He, he was nominated for only one Grammy during his golden years. Okay. I didn't know they and had they the Grammys were, back then. They did, yeah. Oh. They were around, they started in the Wow! Really? I want to say because I'm pretty sure I think it's I think it's the 50th Grammys this year. I think. Mm. Well, Grammys were established in 1958. It says. Wow, that's nuts! I had no idea. Anyway, uh, so Bowie was only nominated for one Grammy during his golden years of 69 to 80. Uh Unstoppable and amazing. And that nomination was for his narration of Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So relevant. So the Grammys are so irrelevant that Bowie was only nominated for one Grammy in the 70s, and it was for Peter and the Wolf. Wow. I wonder how many Grammys Dylan was eligible for in the 60s. Probably, I don't know. Probably you, not, you probably probably not a one. The next episode, we'll excitedly learn about it. He was so counterculture at that point. I just doubt. Right. I doubt they nominated him for anything, but... Yeah, I don't know. Also, I just All want right. to say. Also, I just want to say. You know, you were listing like the most important awards: Emmys, Tonys, Oscars. Yeah. At the top of the list, you forgot to put Obies. The Obie Awards were not <laughs> represented for off-off Broadway shows. Yeah, Canadian <laughs> off-off Obie. Broadway shows. I also did not mention the DVD awards. <laughs> oh man, how could I got, you? I'm gonna give out a DVD award to at the end here. Oh, excellent! I, well, I can't wait. All right, so that was my little granny's granny segue. All right. Mixing things up a little bit. Digging back into 2002 with Bowie. And we'll yeah. go through this fairly quickly. He did go on tour in 2002. Great. Um, it was a small tour. He only had 36 dates, I think. Oh. And he purposely did that because he That's had a cute. daughter in 2000. Oh. It's only Bowie's second child. Right. First was born in 1970. 70, 71. Great dad. Great dad back then. Second was born in 2000. 
Much better dad. So he was just trying to like be a good guy. You know, he's like, he's just, I don't know. He was just being like, like a good, decent human being at this point. You know, he was done like good. showing off and he was just being a normal guy. I think that was, it was kind of surprising that that seemed to be what he actually wanted to all along. You know, he wasn't drinking, he wasn't doing any drugs, he actually quit smoking after his daughter was born. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And he's just, you know, looking good, being good, just being a good guy. So he did do some tours. Now, a couple noble things in this tour. First is, he curated the Meltdown Festival in 2002. Oh, okay. Which I feel like I'd vaguely heard of before digging into this, but right. I didn't know much about. And the Meltdown Festival is kind of like a counterculture, like avant-garde festival it's supposed to be. Um, it's usually like a mixture, but it's all kinds of things. Like, thing lasts like two weeks long, so there's all kinds oh, of wow. stuff in there. It's not, it's not just music. You know, there's films involved in that, there's artwork, there's uh, comedians, there's all kinds of stuff. So Bowie was the curator for it in 2002. Um, now I noted some of the, the better-known musicians that he... Uh, he got involved here. So here's here's a quick list. I'm going to list to Oh, was this held in uh, was this held in New York City? Is that where it was? Yes, yes, it was. Just add the next. So here's a quick list of some of the artists, only some that were featured at David Bowie's Meltdown Festival. Hit me, Bob Dylan. Got it. Divine, no, no, Bob Dylan. That's oh. awesome. Divine Comedy, Coldplay featuring Pete Yorn. Wait, what? Little... Coldplay featuring Pete Yorn? Yeah, I know. That's a little sad that happened. That's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Suede. Yeah. Mercury Rev. Uh-huh. Supergrass. Oh, Supergrass. They're great. Television. Yeah. Oh, television so, still television was still around? I apparently they came back for it or something. I don't know. Okay. I mean I knew they they had a couple comebacks. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know. The Water Boys. Uh Badly Drawn Boy. Yeah. Fisher Spooner. Yeah. Wow. Peaches. <laughs> yeah. The Polyphonic Spree. Uh-huh. Danny Warhols. Yeah. And in probably the weirdest team up of musicians of all time. Ever. Daniel Johnston. <laughs> yeah. And the legendary Stardust Cowboy. What's Stardust? I have to ask you, are you, I know you're familiar with Daniel Johnston. Are yeah. you familiar with the legendary Stardust Cowboy? I have no idea what that is, no. He, I learned a little more. I heard the name definitely before. Bowie stole the Stardust part for Ziggy Stardust, Whoa. by the way. Whoa. Yeah, Uh-oh. it's going to turn out well. Controversy. Like Daniel Johnson, he's a total outsider artist. Okay. And his whole shtick was he would, like, perform and do everything dressed in cowboy gear. <laughs> okay. And uh, his songs are, I don't know, almost indescribable. They're, I don't know. It's, okay. it's just barely songs. Not just, like Daniel Johnson, who is obviously, like, a consummate pop oh, man. writer. His melodies were great. Who is an idiosyncratic great. performer. Right. But his, but his compositions are, you know... You know, oh yeah, when other yeah. when other people cover his songs, they're like amazing. Right, because oh, there's so many covers of his songs, and they're all great. They're great, yeah. But Jay Stardust Cowboy, I don't know if he actually wrote songs per se. He just <laughs> kind of like turned on the microphones, yeah, and uh, and just started going. <laughs> just did his thing. And we'll get into him a little bit more. We're gonna get, we, he's commonly known as the Ledge. The Ledge. Uh, we'll get into the Ledge a little bit later because Bowie covered one of his songs in uh, 2002. Forget uh, it. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's a... So, other notable things from his tour. Bowie hooked up with the Area 2 Festival, which okay. uh, I vaguely remember happening at the time. But it was run by Moby. Oh! was mattered a lot at the time. Yeah, he did. Play. Yeah, oh, yeah. Years I was a huge fan of Play. Me too. Cool. Me too. I remember that. It was a great album. 
It was. Um, it still is. So he put together his own like mini festival in 2002 called Area 2. And it is a really strange kind of thing here for Bowie in this point in his career and, you know, like for the previous 35 years. Bowie did not headline Area 2. It's wow. Moby Area. So Bowie was like second to last. He opened for Moby. Wow. Moby was, Isn't that weird? Moby was swinging big bats then. Well, I don't know. Hitting they homers. Were the two of them were good pals. Like that Bobby makes sense. Publicly, really liked Dylan or like Bowie. They got together, like they simply they hung out and stuff sometimes. Uh, Bowie gave him some weird birthday present. It was it was one of the hats he wore in uh, the Man of Feather Earth. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so like, I guess Bowie was just thrilled. Oh, I'm sure. Bowie he was. did a couple uh, remixes on album tracks for Bowie. They just like they seemed like they were tight at the time. They just got along. They signed. So Bowie did it. I can see that. Yeah, Bowie was he was sticking pretty close to home. Whenever he could, so he's only on part of the Area Two tour, but he uh, he did a lot of tours and a lot of a lot of uh, his performances were in New York. And he talked about how pleased he was just to be able to go home at the end of the night mm. to see his wife and daughter. Sounds it's nice. Finally, last notable thing about this tour was he did some dates featured entire full performances of Heathen and 1977's Low. Whoa. Because it was considered to be by many, which would be his 25th anniversary, right? Okay. Uh, but considered by many to be Bowie's one of his very best, if not his best album. Wow. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I found I found a uh, an online recording of the entire low. He moved he moved the tracks around a little bit to make them work better as concerts, but they were still there. Let's go, Bowie. Wow. Way to go, Bowie. Way to Bowie. Finally, Bowie, as part of the whole publicity tour of Heathen, did a whole. Just a whole lot of TV appearances. Mm. And because I'm, this is a year of lists, I've got lists for you, Jay. Perfect. One Love me some lists. He did, uh, he was on Top of the Puffs, David Letterman, <laughs> live by request. Some of these are very dated, you know, it's just kind of like, like live by request. It's one of those. The Today yeah. Show. Uh-huh. Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Carson Daly. Whoa. Daly hot stuff in 2002. Jay Leto. Regis and Kelly. Regis and Kelly. Later with Jules Holland, mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien again, <laughs> and my personal favorite, Dick Clark's prime time rockin' New Year's Eve. <laughs> what? I'll have you know, though, the song was recorded in September and was broadcast as part of prime time rockin' oh New Year's Eve. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, throughout Bowie appears, I wrote in he's good-natured, relaxed, funny, and charming. He just looks like comfortable with himself. He doesn't look like he's trying really hard to be something else. He's just a cool guy. Which, he's just a cool guy. He's just like, hey, hey cool guy. Boy, that's it. Which leads us straight into the year in hair. Yes, cool guy uh, hair. Our classic segment. This year, he has got it kind of slicked back. It's a little bit longer, though. It's not like, you know, really like, I don't know. It's just a little bit longer. I would describe, I wrote down that it's rakish. Ooh, rakish. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's like the fashionably little bit longer, a little bit shaggy, you know. But yeah, but well kept. Yeah. All right. So I mean, by Bowie's standards, this is I'm gonna give it a four. Whoa, he's had a lot of good years in hair lately. That's true. He has. We haven't had a negative year in hair in a while. Wait until our next episode, which I'm not gonna announce to the public quite yet. Don't do it. Don't even do it. Nobody. Lot, I wrote down too. He wore a lot of nice suits. He did in public and uh, at his concerts. He was wearing like three piece suits and stuff. Boom. The guy was looking good. Well Dapper. dressed. Well dressed. Rakish. Rakish. I definitely Super rakish. Rakish. 
So speaking of rakish, uh, why don't you tell us about the opposite with Bob Dylan? Cool. There's not a lot of rakishness going on with Dylan in 2002. Uh, Dead Vincent Price. Speaking of Dead Vincent Price, in fact, Bob Dylan in 2002. In fact, there is a there is a thing that he did in 2002 that is so unrakish, disrakish that uh, it's not even to be believed. You can't you can't wait to hear about it. So he only did a couple. Hear about it. I already don't believe it. Yep, but you but it happened. Just know that. Okay. Uh, he only did a few things, choice things in 2002. Uh, one was the never-ending tour. It, it yet again did not end in 2002. <laughs> it did not end in 2002. It continued to not be never end. Wait, continued to be never-ending, not well, not to be ending. Not um, to be ending. It was he did a he did U.S. Europe couple more legs in the u.s after that 107 shows in one year <laughs> in one year <laughs> including but not that's limited like to biggest year ever is somewhere around you yeah that's record. most people's like massive tour that's, that's just another year that's like an, that's like a median number of shows do you think there will ever come a time when enough people have seen bob dylan are like man i'm not gonna go this time I just can't like sell enough tickets. Or well, that's you that's happen? the thing. This is a wormhole that I've not gone down on the internet because I'm not. Uh-huh. I I don't think I can become never ending tour nerd. There are there are never ending tour people out there for sure that like document yeah. the shows and look at the set lists. There's yeah. a great graphic. It's uh, it's really unbelievable. All the places that he's been and how many times on the never ending yeah. tour around the world. <laughs> it's like it's like it looks like um, one of those airplane maps. One of those airline maps. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like here's all the places we go every year. It looks like the whole world's like blotted out basically from uh, all the places he's been. Well on um, a slow year, somewhere in the never ending tour, I want you to become that never ending tour nerd just for one episode oh, man. for us. You take uh, a bullet for us, Jake, will you do this for us? I don't think I can. You? It's like And your valuable listeners. It's like so nerdy. Uh anyway, um on you know, my my very shallow deep dive. Um, concluded at least in 2002. Dive, we call that. It's the shallow dive. <laughs> it's the not deep dive. Uh, <laughs> it had some stats about um, concert attendance, and he was selling out shows all over the place, everywhere Dang. in 2002. And nice I don't, nice I don't know done. if that's way anymore, but he's got it. He's got it down so that he he plays the right size amphitheaters and all that stuff. Yeah. He doesn't play arenas, obviously, but he sells well, out. He's probably he's probably due for a comeback again now. You know. I be, probably should be ready is. for another like really good Dylan Elm just out of the blue. Oh man, I can't. That would be so great. I can't. Super old guy Dylan album. That would be so great. <laughs> I'm dreaming about that now, and I'm I'm gonna stop this podcast. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> that's all, folks. Uh, as part of his never-ending tour, he returned to the Newport Folk Festival for the first time since 1965 when he went Ooh. electric jazz. There was no Judas I get, yet. I knew I'd get an opportunity to yell Judas this episode. This was uh, this was the incident where he played his uh, played electric songs at the folk festival, and everyone became outraged. Yeah. They started speaking in tongues. They started falling over. Uh, a couple of them spontaneously combusted. I don't know if you that's a, oh, that's yeah. a true fact. People were starting on fire. It was mm-hmm. it was an outrage, and he did not return until. How Plug in that guitar. Yeah, how dare he? So he came back in 2002. Um, the first, uh, the last time he was there in 65, he played like five songs or something. And he basically uh-huh. got booed off the stage. And then he had to come back and play an acoustic song to like 
um, you know, alleviate the tension there. This time he played 19 songs for two hours. Uh-huh. And um, here's here's the unrakish portion of the of the show. Can, he, I, can he, I add in on just a little aside before we? Yeah, yeah. Please part. do. Well, one, I'm, I'm like you're bringing back to my brain an Onion article I read probably in college. Yeah. Uh, about the Newport Festival. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bob Dylan goes electronica. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> it was a wildly entertaining article. That's hilarious. I, I enjoyed everything. Please go on with the unrakish uh, behavior of Bob Dylan. This is very unrakish. Um, and it's kind of unbelievable, except that I saw the okay. pictures and I, I know that it happened. So the curtain comes up. He's, the, he's obviously the headliner on this thing. You know, more, yeah. more press. I didn't even know the folk festival was still happening, to be honest. Yeah. He comes out, and he's wearing a Stetson hat, and underneath, he's wearing a false wig with long, unwashed hair, like down to his shoulders, <laughs> and he has a carefully glued-on, scraggly beard, like a fake, scraggly... Why did he just grow one? I don't know. I can't, really, I can't really describe it. You'll have to... Are you sitting at your computer? <laughs> yeah, I am. All right, why don't you do that? Why don't you... Why don't you type in 2002 folk, Newport Folk Festival Bob Dylan, and you'll have okay. 800 billion pictures of this contraption he was wearing. And he didn't mention it. He didn't like give credence to it. He just played. I don't, I don't even think he talked, really. He was like, good to be back, or something like that. And then he just proceeded to... It's, you pretty, know. it's pretty good quality. That That's what I'm saying. Realize, like, clearly, realize there was a beard and a, and a wig at the time? Yeah, I, I don't know if they did at the time, but it, it certainly became... Because he wasn't... He didn't look like that at any of his other shows. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Well, hey, good good one. Yeah, all right, good one. <laughs> That's all I good can say. One. I mean... Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining you know, I, you know, I, I used to work in theatrical makeup. Yeah. It's, it's good. You know, yeah. It's good quality. You can't tell. That only tells me that he spent a lot of time, like thinking this up and putting it into action. And for what reason, nobody will ever know. <laughs> it was only the one concert. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Right there. Okay. Okay. So, moving on, we have a very... <laughs> Go on. We have a very special... We have a very special David Bowie-Bob Dylan intersection. I think we need a segment for this. I'll have to think about that. Like, you already had a you already had a nice Grammy-Dylan-Bowie uh, intersection yeah, yeah. piece. And um, here's mine. So, um, generally considered, this is another never-ending tour uh, nerd thing. Generally considered, his best band was from about uh, 99 to 2002, it says. And the lead guitar player for Dylan during that time was, a, was a, a, real hot, a real hot player named Charlie Sexton. Does that, ring a, does that ring a bell to you? It does ring a bell. I'll tell you why it rings a bell, Chaz. Charlie Sexton, in the mid-'80s, was a teenage guitar prodigy. He released okay. a song that was a hit that I had no that I didn't know, but I watched the video for and I laughed and laughed. You should just do it. It's called okay. Beats So Lonely. <laughs> Eats so lonely? Beats. Like like Beats So Lonely. Not not the vegetable, okay. but okay. like the rhythmic pulse. Beats. <laughs> okay. Beats. He's so just like something. strutting around this thing, smoking fags and his hair is just like out of control. He's such a rebel. <laughs> but it's like a it's like a uh, you know. It's like a synth song. It's totally mid-80s. Is it meant to be funny? No, not meant to be funny at all. Okay, all right, all right. And if you laugh during it, people get upset. Don't laugh at it. (laughs) So, David Bowie took along Charlie Sexton on his 1987 Glass Spider Tour. Okay. 
<laughs> along with Peter Frampton. Put him on stage with Peter Frampton. With Peter Frampton. Put him on stage with that crazy bass player who has like you've probably seen uh you've probably seen the Glass Spider home video. Have you seen that? Uh, on only YouTube? parts of it. Okay. Wait, I watched until we get to nineteen eighty seven and then I will I will watch it in full. <laughs> I watched it. He played White Light, White Heat with David Bowie. Yeah. And yeah, he, he played. Oh, no, what's the other time. song? Covered that for decades. Uh, anyway, a couple things about this. One, David Bowie looks ridiculous in this. Oh yeah. He, Does he have the awful, awful, awful mullet yet, or not? Yeah, he's got an awful mullet. He's also got like a crazy, like kind of shiny pantsuit, puffy pantsuit yeah, thing. Yeah, sounds about right. And my favorite part, as a as a guitar player, he has this little tiny electric guitar it's like a little it looks like a little rectangle and the neck goes up you know like normal but then it doesn't have a head so there's no tuning pegs and all that kind of thing yeah, yeah it looks like a little like, I've seen that looks thing. like a little washboard guitar only it's electric and he's just like every once in a while just like ripping it up on this thing it looks like it's way too small for his body it's hilarious yeah uh and charlie sexton is just he's just screaming on that guitar he comes out and Bowie does this all like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, here's my friend Charlie Sexton. And he comes out and he's just like, <laughs> he's ripping it up. So what I wanted to do, Chaz, is um, I just want to you know, inquire upon the listeners and you um, to just wherever it is that you are you know, listening to this podcast, I want you to turn to the person next to you, whether that's your kid in the kitchen while you're doing the dishes or whether that's the person on the subway, or nobody in the car. I just want you to turn to that person. I want whatever your political affiliation or your religious affiliation or what you're thinking right now, I want you to shake hands or give that person a hug. I want you to agree that Charlie Sexton is ripping up some tasty licks <laughs> on the Glass Spider home video. That's all you got to agree on. You don't have to agree on anything else. while you're talking here. <laughs> and uh, he apparently he was sometimes the opening act on Glass of the Glass. Spider. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So Charlie Sexton. It looks like he appears on two different songs on the Glass Spider. I know. I could not watch it. I couldn't. I couldn't find. I. I. I didn't write down the other one. But I watched uh-huh. it, and it was amazing. I want to be your dog in the pop cover. That's it. I want to be your that dog. was it. And of course, it's all you know. These great proto-punk songs are just all shined up 87 Bowie style. It's like not, pu- not punk at all. Oh, uh, Bowie. Uh, 87 was... 87 so was probably his worst year. Charlie Sexton has been on the NeverEnding Tour in various sections. He's generally considered the best lead guitarist that, that Dylan has had during the last 30 whatever okay. years. Um, all right. and so, uh, probably since Nick Ronson. <laughs> well, that wasn't the NeverEnding Tour. That's a separate section. I know, we just said that since, you know, 30 years, you know, just saying. Well, in the last 30 years. Look, oh, well, I love Mick Ronson, okay? We can all agree as well. <laughs> we could agree on that <laughs> as well. We're talking, if we're talking Tasty Licks, we can't not mention Mick Ronson. No, basically. and actually, um, I'm going to get to some Tasty Mick Ronson stuff later in this. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. There's so much Mick to go around. I know, he's been, he's been dead by, for nine years at this point. He's still showing up. All right, my last Charlie Sexton um, thing is that he... He met with a, quote, extreme air quotes super group. Then they recorded an album that they never released. This was on Wikipedia. So I just had to mention it to you. So you know it's true. So this is just ready for a, few, a future retraction action. <laughs> it's so ripe. It's so ripe for retraction action. 
Um, it, the, the group was called The Knots, N-A-U-T-S, like, I don't know, like The Nauticals, only shorthand? You okay? <laughs> okay, here's, here's who's in the band. This is, the, this is possibly, possibly the worst supergroup ever constructed. <laughs> okay, Charlie Sexton, his brother Will Sexton, somebody named Brady Blade, I neglect, uh-huh. neglected to look up who that was, Dave Matthews, <laughs> <laughs> and get ready for this, Jazz, Jacob Dylan. I know. This is how sad I am. I honestly, like, I honestly sat down and thought how to say these in the order that I wanted to say them for you. Oh yeah, that was the order. Right okay, there. great. That was it. Great. Then that it's all, it. it's all not for nothing. That. Wait, did you say Bucky ba- Baxter? Was he part of it? No, Brady Blade. Brady Blade. Never mind. Yeah, uh, I don't know who who that person well, this is. This is 2013. This just happened. I know. So, not only was this a terrible super group, but they were all past their primes. Like, way past. Way past. Way past. I was still thinking this was, like, you know, around 2002, at which point Dave Matthews was, you know, not past his prime at all. No, that was his prime. And Jacob Dylan obviously, was a a late 90s fixture. Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't far enough past to No, mid to late 90s. Anyway, I gotta gotta not hear that album. I don't know about you. (laughs) The Knots. Hello, everybody. We're the Knots. Are any of them British? Eh, I don't know. Charlie Sexton is very British. So I assume his brother Will is also British. And I don't know. Again, we're going to say the name Brady Blade one more time, and that's it. Well, I'm looking up Brady Blade. Oh, good for you. He has been involved with a lot of albums by a lot of people. Okay. Session musician? Almost none of whom I've ever heard of. Oh, okay. He was involved with Emily Harris at some point. Oh, that's good. I love her. Uh, And Dave Matthews. (laughs) Great. So he's, he's a manager to people. I don't know. He's, he's got ma- a huge list of. I mean, it sounds like he's like out of a session session. He's a huge list of albums he was involved in. Almost none of whom I've ever heard of. Indigo Girls. Heard of them? Jewel. Yes. Oh the man, best. now we're hitting it. Now we're in it. Uh, Jacob Dylan. <laughs> okay, now we're out again. Daniel Lenoir, who shows up a lot in this podcast. Yeah, every every single time. Patty Griffin. Yeah, I love Patty Griffin. And a whole bunch of people, and no one's ever heard of. All right, that's enough of Brady. Also, Blade. they all end in 2011. I didn't know this turned into Blade versus Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't change. Bowie versus Blade. Brady. Also, Blade just lost. <laughs> yeah, he lost pretty bad. Anyway, yeah, poor Blade. Poor Blade. Uh, he's in the knots. And that's all you need to know. Uh, the other major event in Dylan's 2002 was he released a box set called the Bootleg Series Volume Five. Detailing the 1975 leg of the Rolling Thunder review, okay. and I had to I had to chuckle because uh, now we've already mentioned Lanois, but um, it seems like so far in our journey here, this is our 15th episode. A couple yeah. re- reoccurring themes have come up just over and over and over based on the years that we've picked. Yeah, uh, one has been Daniel Lanois, which he oh, has yeah, produced. He, a lot. he has produced two albums of Dylan's and n- and nothing else, and we've talked about him. 80% of the episodes, like at length. <laughs> We've done both of the, yeah. both of the albums, right? This we did both happened. those and then obviously our collaborators episode. And I doubt we'll talk about him very much again, except in passing it. But He's just going to be a big a fixture of the first quarter. He's just a fixture. And the other fixture has been the Rolling Thunder review, which I feel like we've mentioned a lot. Yeah. many times. It is a famous tour, no doubt about it. Well, we get um, folks like, you know, 
Nick Ronson. Yeah, Nick Ronson. Keeps, I mean, keeps, keeps rolling back, but we yeah. kind of shoehorn him in even when he doesn't quite fit. Yeah, like but him. this one, this one, he actually fits in. This is when he fits yeah. most okay. of all. Uh, so we talked in our 1976 episode that Dylan put out a live album in that year called Hard Rain, which was right, which was the second half. of The, the second year. half, and uh, okay. apparently that was the very uninspired. We're all right, tired. She said and that wasn't that great. We're on too many but drugs. Rolling, rolling Thunder Review is kind of legendary. It's amazing, apparently. Um, okay. So he released that box set, and I want to just kind of talk about that. Uh, that tour now instead of 1975 because okay. we have both blood on the tracks and the basement tapes to contend with in 1975. <laughs> so I'm just going to give, here. I'm just going to give the things folks, are, things are I'm sweating already. Too. I know it's going to be a big one. Uh, so I'm going to give the folks just a little, a little taste of what the rolling thunder review was like in 1975. So Dylan conceived this thing, um, as a non-traditional tour. Uh, he wanted to just, get a whole bunch of musicians together, rehearse them, and then head out on the town. Um, he went to a bunch of Northeast venues, Northeast America, and the idea, which I think is pretty awesome, to be honest, and they actually did this, was they would book a venue, like a, a mid-sized, maybe 2,000 to 5,000 seat venue, under, <coughs> under a false name, uh, and then they would show up in that town, and the day before the concert, they would plaster the place with concert posters. Come see Bob Dylan at the so-and-so mm-hmm. tomorrow or whatever. And then, you know, people would show up and they would roll in. They had like, let's see, I wrote down here. They had four buses and two campers. Dylan got his own camper. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. That is his show. And uh, they would roll into town with all... stand like being around people in church. Okay. No, but apparently he was very he was very uh, congenial this time around. Okay, like, good, good, good. This was one of his best social times, I would say. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> this isn't latter day Dylan who can't even speak words to other people. Um, so yeah, here, he just doesn't want to. Here's all the people that he brought along. He brought along Joan Baez, Ramblin' Jack mm-hmm. Elliott, Bobby Newworth, Rob Stoner, Scarlett Rivera, the um, anonymous heretofore anonymous electric violin player that he picked up off the street. T-Bone Burnett, Steve Souls, Howie Wyeth, David Mansfield, Luther Ricks, Roger McGuinn from the Birds, uh, uh, Ronnie Blakely, who played his wife in the terrible movie, which we already discussed. Oh, yeah. Allen Ginsberg, Peter Orlovsky, and a whole bunch of film crew, and then there's a name that I missed. Oh, what was it? Mick Ronson. <laughs> Mick Ronson! Mick, 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 Oh, Sam Shepard was along for the ride, too. And then he had a writer from Rolling Stone come along who also did the liner notes for the box set named... That makes sense. Ratso Slowman. Ratso was his <laughs> nickname. That's a terrible nickname. Oh, and then that's along that's the way, some people joined him and decided to stay, either perform at the place he was or stay on the tour... Arlo Guthrie, Gordon Lightfoot, Rick Danko of the band. Uh, Bob Dylan's mom was on stage at one show. Nice. And Sarah Dylan decided to join because I'm sure she wanted to punch Joan Baez right in the face. I would have. <laughs> they were they weren't divorced yet. They were not divorced. They were actually in a quote unquote good period at that time. Okay. Right. But this is right before a couple of years before they actually got divorced. And it, it all turned sour. Okay. And one Joni Mitchell decided to come along on the ride. She apparently didn't hate you know. Bob, didn't hate Bob Dylan then. Decided to hate him sometime later, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In 
<laughs> All right, what else here? Oh, so uh, he had he had little sections of this massive band. Oh, there were like seventy people that were on this on this tour. Mm-hmm. Came rolling along. So for the sh- actual show, they had like they would usually have like a vaudeville um, curtain or whatever to come up. And it would be like different sections of the Rolling Thunder Review doing songs together and not necessarily including Bob Dylan. Um, okay. So it was a review, like R-E-V-U-E in the, in the right. sort of purest sense. Um, and then he would come out with Joan Baez and they would do some songs, some like old songs together. And then he would come on with the band and he was doing some solo acoustic work on it, which is actually really good. Um, the band was hot. There were some tight arrangements, lots of good interplay with Dylan. He was very engaged. It was a good blend of instruments. They were actually playing together, like they as they went along. They got really good at playing together. Uh, yeah. Apparently, very powerful. And Dylan was, uh, as I said, he was very engaged. It was an effective thing. Um, nice. In the liner just, notes. Oh, go ahead. Go go go. Sorry, liner notes. Uh, I'll score it later, but I just I just want to say that. Not all the time, but once Mick Ronson's name is misspelled in the line oh, notes oh. as Mike Ronson, which... Well, it, I, think it's, I think his actual name was Michael. Oh, Chaz, what? I was telling this whole thing about how I was going to send it back and get all, you know, uh, get uh, demand that they change it in there. Maybe, did people call him Mike sometimes? I don't know. His, yeah, his name is actually Michael Ronson. I think most of those Nicks, their real name was... was uh, was Michael. Was Michael. Mm. Well, my my outrage has been misplaced, I guess. Sorry. So it's possible that some people call him Mike, yeah. Mick might be kind of... All right. Yeah. Especially if, like, you oh, were... Rano. He was called Rano. Especially too. if you were the journalist that was on the Rolling Thunder Review and you got to know all you the guys. You might have called him Mike. It's, yeah, it's possible. Oi, Mike. I'd like to call you Mike Oi, now. Mike. Are we good enough friends to call you Mike, Mick? And Mick's like, <laughs> I suppose. No, call me Rano. Call me Rono. <laughs> also, I have a quick multiple choice question for you. Oh, yes. Yes. All right, so in the liner notes of Bootleg Series Volume 5, Rolling Thunder Review, the uh, writer, Ratso Sloman, characterizes uh, Mick Ronson's guitar playing in what way? A. Searing. B. Incendiary. C. Scorching. D finger licking hot, or E spicy. Ah, <laughs> oh, we all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> I want it to be finger licking hot, but I'll just tell you. I now. wanted to too, so I'm gonna say it, even though I'm pretty sure that's not right. I don't care if I win. I want it to be finger licking hot. <laughs> it is not finger licking hot, Chaz. Oh. I'm sorry. It's a searing, searing guitar searing. work. It was searing. searing. It was. Searing. Uh, one more thing I'll mention about it was that uh, Dylan does this really cool thing on the song Simple Twist of Fate, which is an absolute classic off of uh, Blood on the Tracks, which was released that same year. He was apparently, you know, artists have these times, you know, when they're really really on fire. They're just hot. They're, like, writing great lyrics. They can't can't really be stopped. It's all working. So he puts out a just classic... Dylan song, Simple Twist of Fate. And then several months later, he's singing it on tour. And he changes the lyrics um, in, many of the, in many of the verses. And he's able to like make a whole other like great song you know, with these new lyrics. And I just want to mention that uh, Jeff Tweedy covered it on the I'm Not There soundtrack from 2007. Okay. 
in this way. So he sings these lyrics. It's just kind of an it's okay. just kind of an interesting little thing. A little, you know, a zesty little nugget. It's a zesty nugget just for you and our podcast listeners. Chaz, tell us some points. All right, Bowie's bringing it in. He's he's bringing the heat in in 2002. I, I mean, he's he got is. a good studio album, so you know, it's yeah, always a tough year. That's what you get. That's what so, you gotta have. Yeah, 2002. It was a small tour of only 36 states. I normally would only give it a half a point. Yep. But his involvement in this Meltdown Festival, which sounds like it was incredibly successful and sounds very interesting, uh-huh. I feel like that's enough to bring him back up to the full point. All right, you got it. So I'm going to full point for tour. Next up, we have Heathen. Heathen. Like I said, one of his best later period albums. Yeah. Uh, I would consider it stately, mature, and tasteful. Mm. Tasteful is not usually a word that people want their, you know, albums described as. I like tasteful like, albums. Tasteful you want, like, for furniture. You want tasteful furniture. You don't always want tasteful albums. It sounds like an insult, but it's I like, tasteful. It's I stately, like tasteful. mature, and tasteful. Like, the National make tasteful albums. I like oh, that. yeah. Well, they're stately <laughs> and mature also. Well, yeah. I would describe them. Exactly. Stately, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, good call. Good okay. one. Good okay, one. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, Love it. It's the second album in his neoclassic rock era. Uh, it notably contains three covers, three kind of crazy covers. All right. First one is I've Been Waiting for You by Neil Young. Oh, wow. It's not that crazy, but it's on there. It's good. Well, that's interesting. Cactus by the Pixies is the second cover. All right. And it's a really good cover. He rips it up real nice. But it contains a really unfortunate part, which I didn't notice until researching it for this time. At one point, his background people are chanting something. Uh-oh. And I never paid close attention to what they were chanting. Yeah. And I realized this time they're actually spelling out the word David. <laughs> D- what? A. B. I. D. I don't know why. And it's, okay. I really like the chanting of that like, like little, like, just gives us some energy. I really like that it's there. But it really makes me sad that they chanted out David. Oh, my goodness. It's really uh, unfortunate. And they I, did it yeah. live, too. So it wasn't like later on they thought, oh, we shouldn't do that. No, they, they, should, doing it. they should do it more. And finally, David Boy covers The Ledge, the legendary Starbucks yeah. Stardust Cowboy. Okay. Oh, man. I was listening to the original version of this song last night. Because, of course, I've had the Heathen for years. And this is one I actually listened to from time to time. It's sure. one of those albums I never you, listened to. I throw it on. on. And it's a good song, you know, but I mean, it does kind of blend in. You don't even think of it as being a cover necessarily. Until you hear the, the original version, which is just ridiculous. Bonkers. So I'm going to recommend it, and we're going to put this on our Spotify playlist. Yeah, you better. The original version of the song, back-to-back with the David Bowie version, and it's it's something. It's an experience. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, okay, my, my seven-year-old son loves GarageBand, and he goes in GarageBand and makes his own songs. He's seven. Yeah. You know, so He's like seven. high expectations, and they're kind of interesting, whatever. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> So, so Only he uh, he has like some lyrics and he has something like a cowboy drawl, which is kind of engaging. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. He's just one of those but guys. Liked him. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's on there, and All the right. cover is good. The cover is far better than the original. All right. What do you give it? Uh, let's see here. We got to make a note that the cover for this album is a rather arresting cover. Mm. You have a computer in front of you, Jake. I think you should look it up really quick. I don't have a computer. It's in front kind of me. like a terrifying but interesting, fascinating, really well done. Cover. It was inspired by uh, surrealist photography by guys like Nan Ray and Louis Bonnui. Uh, and so it's Bowie. It's just him, like just his face, but his eyes are completely white. 
and he looks really intense and kind of terrifying, and it's it's a really good cover. I remember this cover. I remember when yeah, this came out. Yeah, it's a very resting, a very, a very, uh, provi- not provocative, I don't know. It's provocative. It's not provocative. Well, it's maybe not slightly provocative. provocative. It's not provocative. It's a very, uh, arresting image, we'll just say that. It's arresting. It's notable, notable. Notably um, arresting. I give this a BVD award. For Bowie's best comeback album. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Bowie really only has about four main comeback albums. This one, I, in my personal opinion, he then narrowly beats out the next day, which okay. is also a really good yep. comeback album. Uh, but his album before this, 1999's Hours, is really bad. Okay. It's one of his worst albums. Yep. And it was kind of a weird like, little hiccup because his two album albums, even the four albums before that, are range between decent to good and all of a sudden hours comes in it's just a stinger and he goes back to doing good albums again it's really just in the middle of nowhere just this this hours album i don't know okay so we're good i'm giving heathen a 2.5 oh nice. Oh, i should remind our viewers our listeners about yeah. our complicated point system yep whereby we allow different amounts of points for different things albums are worth the most we also allow negative points if uh, if albums are really like stinking it up, so they can actually hurt them to release something in a year. That's right. So I'm sure giving can. them an A two point five. All right. Solid. Very solid. solid. Very solid. Uh, next thing is his singles. He released mm. three singles this year, all of them from Ethan. Excellent. The first one is Slow Burn, which is a Grammy nominated single, Jake. Oh yeah. I will relevant. remind you. So relevant. This song is hot. Okay. I and this is a weird one. You know, we talked before about uh, how sometimes revisiting these years. We discover stuff we didn't know before, or we just didn't even realize. And Heathen is an album I've actually listened to. And so I've heard Silver plenty of times, and, for, and, and I, know, it, I always liked it, but it never, like, really grabbed me. This time while listening to it, this song grabbed me hard. Okay. I listened to this song about 20 times while researching. Wow. Just over and over again. Just ripping it up. I really like this song, so I'm giving that a full one point. Yeah, sounds like it. Next up is Everyone Says Hi, was the second single. Uh, one of the things I'm not as wild about Heathen is there's a couple late in the like feel a little too cheery a little too happy compared mm. to everything else that's going with it they just okay. don't feel like they belong everyone says hi isn't one of them it's not a bad song but it doesn't feel to me like it fits heathen very well okay even it's kind of a dark album and everyone says hi well the lyrics are there's more to the lyrics than it first seems but the music is pretty cheery it's pretty up um it's still a good song though i'm gonna give it a 0.5 all right and my last one is, in some territories, his Neil Young cover, I've Been Waiting For You, was released as a single. Nice. I think the song is decent. It's places, at least in Canada and somewhere else. I'm giving it a zero. I'm not counting that one. Right. It's okay, but not amazing. Like, it's good in the album, but it's a, a strange choice for a single, I think. Okay. And finally, we have, he had a best of in oh. 2002. Wow. I wouldn't, we all, I'm not counting all of his best ofs. There's about four that I feel like are worthy of mention. Yeah, yeah, you got to pick and 2002's choose. 2002's is one of them. Um, this is Best of Bowie. Best of Notably, Bowie. Notably, and so it says, you know, everything from, it included anything that was his first album, but his second album on up. This is like the, the go-to Bowie best of for, you know, since 2002. Absolutely. It's a oh, okay. career, you know, spanning. Notably, it was released in 21 different versions. <laughs> now, you're not going to explain every version, are you, Chaz? I'm not, but I'm going to explain why, because the reason why is actually interesting. Oh, I'm sure it in is. In different countries and different like territories around the world, they shuffled the order based on what songs were most popular in those countries. Oh, that is interesting. Which is kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. So, 
21 different versions across the world wow. with different songs based on what was popular where. I think all told, something like 65 songs ended up on some version somewhere. Wow. Um, like I said, this is the go-to. This is the best known, best of, even though he you know, went on to release three more albums after it. Yeah. Um, it initially peaked at number 11 in the UK in 2002. Wow. And that went to number one after he died in 2016. Oh! Which is a little strange because he had a newer best of that was released in 2014. Well, it's like you which say. Had everything, which did everything except for, uh, except for Blackstar. And actually the song from Blackstar that was re-recorded for Blackstar. So it kind of had everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also really notable is at the time they also released a DVD of Best of Bowie that contained uh, over 50 music videos. Wow. A lot of music videos. And it's his only, like, true big collection of music videos is this. And I still am I'm waiting for for a full one that contains the last yeah, you know, you three, four write. albums. That's all coming. of them on there. It's coming. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know why this hasn't come out yet. We're, you know, we, we should be due for come this. Come on, guys. Happen. they got to make it happen. Come on. But considering all this is a very successful live out or a very successful best of, the video collection definitely gives it a push. So I'm giving it a one point Great. for that. Sounds correct. So we had a total of yeah, six you're, points. Wow, a sixer. It's a, year. it's a good year. Great year. Way to yeah, go, yeah. Bowman. Bowman. Yeah. All righty. Bowman. Um, Bowman. Uh, let's talk about a little D-Lan, D-Man. In, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it like that. Don't say that. No, I can't stop now. So, yes, you can. <laughs> I'm addicted. 2002. Bo, uh, Bowie. I almost said Bowman. Uh, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan did only two things. They were fine things, though. Uh, the never-ending tour. Yeah. Including the Newport Folk Festival. I have nothing else to say about it except I'm giving it a one point yeah. zero out of a possible one point zero. It just, uh, it was a notable year. He, uh, I guess they were on fire. I guess Charlie Sexton really, really was like one of the Lit best guys. Fire. Yep, and he wasn't distracted yet by his involvement in the supergroup, The Knots. It was all Dylan <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, number two, he released <laughs> the Bootleg Series Volume Five. Now, for major archival or uh, or other releases, we give a plus three to negative three system for those. As opposed, it contains notable unreleased material. Yeah, that's right. Which and these bootleg series do always do. They always do. Um, and so this one, I just want to say a couple more things about the songs on it. Um, there was some suggestion, Chaz, at least in the liner yes. notes, that the live versions of these songs, which are mostly from Desire and a few from Blood on the Tracks, um, and also okay. older songs, but that these were so hot. They were so good in person, such good live numbers, that they rendered the album versions like superfluous or out of date. <laughs> now That sounds ridiculous, but to, please, go to on. That, <laughs> to that, uh, the only thing I can really say to that is I guess you had to be there because uh-huh. uh, I'm sure in the hall at that time, you know, they were just, they were outrageous and they made you think like, oh, you know, these are the definitive versions of these songs. To my ears... <laughs> I'm such an album guy. I think you uh-huh. are too. Like I, oh, yeah. I can't imagine something rendering Desire superfluous. Like I love that right. album, and clearly Blood on the Tracks wouldn't could yeah. never be replaced. So um, I just wanted to lead with that. Uh, that so, you know, some of the arrangements are a little faster. This often happens on live albums, and especially Dylan at this time, he was reworking and reimagining his songs. 
And I don't like the faster arrangements generally. It just okay. kind of leads okay. to him kind of like yelping sometimes. And, you know, he's doing kind of the staccato delivery of his lyrics, um, especially on some of the more favorite songs that I have on Desire. Like um, Isis is one of my very, very favorite Dylan songs. And that's on here. Um, and it just kind of like, it lacks nuance, you know. Um, his vocal delivery lacks nuance. I will say yeah. that the band is just, it's hot. It's just real good. And it's like, it does have nuance to it. There's these little fills and runs with the violin and, and some of the other instruments where um, it might be like, I'd have to think about it for a second, but it might be Dylan's best live backing band experience. I want Okay. It's really it's a great. bold statement. Oh, you know what? That's not true. The band in 66 and 65. Never mind. Anyway. Oh, one of them, though. Sorry, sorry the band. We hate you, 75. Um, and then, like I said, or I mentioned, he does a couple songs on this collection where he's just solo acoustic, and they are, fan- mm-hmm. they are fantastic. They are great. So, the recordings on this are all unreleased. Not a one was on any other you know, box set or the biograph yeah. box set or any of that stuff. So it's kind of a little treasure trove. Um, and yeah, obviously, the, like so obviously these had been bootlegged a million times, but these are the, the, the official versions official are the best. Release. official release. I'm giving it a plus 1.5 out of three because oh, okay. All right. I think it's great, but I don't think that I would put it on very much. Okay. You know what I mean? So and by what do you mean do, right? <laughs> I don't know what your There's correct... There's really a would in the situation you own this, and, uh, you know, it's about if you do it or not. I don't understand why you're doing this to me right now. <laughs> I'm just, just <laughs> you're trying to clarify. <laughs> well, I'm going to retraction action that statement you just made. <laughs> All right, so what's it bring it up to? It brings it up to uh, a plus 2.5. 2.5, so Bowie cinches a third straight win. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to do something now, guys and girls. We are gonna come up next time on the year 1986, and oh, this man. is gonna be a heavyweight battle to see who can lose hardest. The, you know, we may have both of our guys in the negatives for the app. That could be really entertaining. This see is who like, wins by a slightly less negative. This is like one of those boxing prize fights where both guys are tr- are trying to lose. They're like they're both <laughs> they're in the both bag. Trying, they both look like they're trying to throw it. They're both in the bag, you know. They've both been bought off, and they're like, uh, "If you just punch me just once, I'm gonna fall over." And so there's like a lot of shadow <laughs> punching. And to be fair, Bowie did uh, Labyrinth, a little movie called I don't know Labyrinth. Yeah, a little movie called Labyrinth. And we're gonna both wear Tina Turner wigs the entire show in honor of Labyrinth. I'm not. I'm dressing. You won't see us, but I'm going to. I'm dressing up as whoever Bob Dylan dressed up in '86. <laughs> Which is Dan Vincent Price. It was still that was still live. Vincent no, Price. no, no, no. This is way before Vincent Price. This is oh, okay, this is yacht. This is full yacht. This is yeah. This is fill off the yacht. Yeah, full yacht, full yacht, Bob. <laughs> full yacht. All right. Well, before we go, Jake, I have one last little surprise for you. Oh, I think you'll enjoy. I'm enjoying it already. And that surprise is Jake. You, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Have been nominated for a Grammy for best rock film. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Oh, my dreams are coming true! They they let me do it on the show. Uh, They wanted me to do a special thing, and there you go. It was for... You're up against against four other guys who have not released anything good since 1991. Is is there one other guy from Nickelback in there? (laughs) Can I go against him? (laughs) 
Is is the nominated song the ninth best song on my album from two years ago? <laughs> Three years ago, but yes. Three years ago, yes. <laughs> well, I, Chaz, I just want to tell you the honor is all yours, and thank you for thank you for nominating me or telling me that I've been nominated for best you know, I just, best like, rock they, 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 vocal they, 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 the male vocal recording from an album not of this year vocal male recording. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you. I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank the Obie Awards and listeners. I want to thank you for sticking with us. This might be our longest podcast ever. I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. So All we're right. just we're gonna say bye bye. Nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Fall off that yacht, everyone. Bye. So long.